gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures. Today I have a special guest here with me, my good friend A.G. Shaw. A.G. has a kennel called Hardcore Retrievers. A.G. trains dogs for competition and he is actually running my dog Tank and my dog Ace in the HRC Grand. So I thought we would bring him in and just talk to him about what the HRC Grand is at. So A.G., welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. So the HRC Grand, what is it and what is it like to run? Uh, Well, the Grand is uh, a five-day event. It's a uh, simulated duck hunting series for four of those days. One day's on water, next day's on land, water, land, water, land. Um, the fifth and final day is going to be an upland hunt. And so it, it's basically what I, I call it the, the Super Bowl or the World Series of, of the Retrievers. Um, it shows a, a well-balanced dog um, with, with showing duck hunting and pheasant hunting. Um, big um, big uh, um, emphasis on uh, control and steadiness at the line. So your dog can't move around, can't can't be bouncy. He's got to be sit there and, and basically be perfect while the marks are going off in the air. So, now, are you graded every day as a separate test, or is this like a cumulative uh, grade? So you get uh, you have four different or five different uh, sets of judges. So those judges don't know what the last judge gave you, but it is a, a cumulative points to to pass each day. So. Basically, each judge can give you a maximum point of two points. So you need four points. You go on to the next day. If you have two points, you can go on to the next day. But you can only get one set of ones to equal two points out of the whole five-day series. So what would give you a one, for instance? I mean, a lot of people that listen to this, they're they're more in the I just want to train my dog thing. They aren't as technical as as what you are or, or myself. How is it graded and what would be downgraded? Okay, so if you were, the dog was uh, real vocal on the line, started barking and stuff when the uh, birds were going off, um, the dog was creeping out, moving out past the gun barrel, that would probably give you ones for an excessive movement. And uh, if you're running a blind um, and the dog doesn't take a couple casts during that whole blind series, you probably uh, get downgraded ones or out. Um, and a cast being when you're stopping the dog on a one whistle sit and then telling the dog what direction to go, a straight back or a left over or a right over. Correct, yeah. So if you give the dog a, a, a right back, you want him to take a right angle on you, and that dog maybe spins right but digs back left, that's a cast refusal. So you can you know, have maybe one of those out of that whole series of uh, that one blind that you ran. And then if you have... 
two or three and it, it's kind of ugly, you know, they're going to not let you carry on to the next series. And if your dog breaks, there's something called an honor. And an honor is where you have to actually watch the other dog work with your dog sitting next to you. If your dog breaks, you're out. Correct. Correct. Yeah. If, if your dog uh, it affects the, the working dog or or the honor dog, which, whichever one you are, you, you're, you're definitely out. So um, you get a little bit of leeway, but not much. It's... Um, the test itself is probably very similar to your your weekend hunt test, um, uh, finish level, except for I always say it's it's judged at a much higher standard. So so the setup is the same. The distance of the retrieves or the marks, the distance of the blinds are about the same as a normal hunt test. You're just not given any leeway at all. Correct. That would be a. <laughs> I say you get a little leeway, but but not very much for for the the common person to see. You'd say there's no leeway, but but the guy who knows what he's doing, he he, he there is a little bit of movement and stuff you can have. But it is at the highest standard that is out there, I believe. Now this test is held twice a year. Yeah, so spring and uh, spring and fall we have the test. Um, usually before hunting season kicks on across most of the season, most of the the country we have a test. So. Being in the north, we're kind of at a disadvantage. Our hunting season kicks off, and we're having the grand in another week. And those tests are at different areas in the country. Yeah, it travels north, south, um, generally the the central part of the country, though. Um, you know, down to Mississippi, Georgia, um, as far north. It's been in Canada before, but it, it's it's rare. It goes up to Canada. Most of the clubs are in the center part of the country too. Now, you talked me in last year to running ACE because the test was only 40 minutes away uh, from, from my house and from your house, and ACE passed. Yeah, he did a great job. He was, uh, I, I don't think he had one little squabble the whole whole five days. He, he did a phenomenal job. Um, we had uh, technical water to swamp water to uh, um, flat country to, to hilly country, so he, he did everything perfect. And to get a title, what title do they achieve and what do they need to do to achieve this title? Sure. So the dog has to pass the Grand twice in his lifetime to become a, a Grand Hunting Retriever Champion. Um, and he needs 300 uh, points accumulated through running, finished, and, and other tests to actually get the Grand Hunting Retriever title. How much does he have now? He's probably got like 200 he's, points. Yeah, he's he's hitting 200, so he'll be he won't he, if we get through this or should I say when we get him through this next week, um he won't get recognized as a Grand High Retriever champion, but he'll get that pass and then we'll have to go out and do a couple more finish tests and and then he'll be a Grand Honey Retriever champion. So now between my two dogs, we've got Tank and we've got Ace. Which one would you look at as being the stronger of the two running and why? Um, I think uh, probably I would, I would go with Ace just because he's a little older. Um, Tank is, is younger, so he's, he, he doesn't understand everything all the time when, when we're doing the, the, the complex setups. But, I mean, he's probably the harder charging dog. You know, hits the water harder, runs faster, but uh, Ace is a little bit more methodical at it. So, 
Which dog's more fun to run? Do you like having the dog that is kind of like uh, on the edge of destruction or the methodical dog? Uh, I kind of like the methodical dog. Uh, you know, when you're, you're watching dogs run and you see a high-powered dog flying, you're like, wow, that looks really cool. But when you're running them, you'd much rather have the, the calm, laid-back dog. Yeah, I know even when you do uh, upland hunting, uh, just out hunting, I would always take like six dogs when we had the TV show, and I would always pair them. I wouldn't get just any dog out. I would always have my hard-charging dog and my methodical dog because I didn't want two that were running across the field because, my goodness, I wouldn't be able to see where the heck they were, and I wouldn't be able to hunt because I'd be watching the dogs the whole time to make sure they were in range. Yeah, exactly. Trying to keep up with a fast dog is... uh and you've got to think ahead when you're when you're running the, the test. You gotta gotta know what each factor is gonna do to that dog so you're you're ready to correct if the dog falls for those factors. So the the fast dog, you gotta be really on your game. It's interesting to me is that you look at people that do training. I train gun dogs, and you train some gun dogs and you train but you run competition and you run a lot of weekends. And people will ask me why I don't run my own dogs. And I always say because I'm not a fool with my own money. <laughs> There's a lot to it when you go up to a test and you're standing there watching it. They will run a test dog so that you can see how that dog reacts. And my opinion is that someone that does that for a living, that is on the road running tests, will see things that even a great trainer that trains gun dogs will not see. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, for if you compare it to any other, other business out there or something, if, if you're a weekend guy who can build a deck or whatever it is and and you you size yourself up with a guy who's building homes every day that guy who builds homes can knock them out really fast you know build that deck twice as fast as you can same thing goes for dog training you know we got our hands on so many dogs that uh, we pick up the little little thing that a dog's going to do when his his head wiggles a little this way or a little that way we know he's getting ready to turn where someone who only runs one dog doesn't realize it's going to happen until it happens and then they're two or three seconds behind that dog rather than two or three seconds ahead so where is this test held this year this one is going to be down in uh, western part of kentucky western kentucky very cool yeah. And have you seen pictures of the grounds? Is it a pretty classic looking setup? Or You know, they don't really uh, share too much with you where it's going to be. I mean, you know the town it's going to be in, but you really don't have a clue what water they're using or land they're using. They keep that kind of hush-hush and top secret. So so you can't really prepare for, you got to prepare for everything and not just uh, think you're going to be on swamp. You may be on a tech water. You may be a little bit of everything. So now with the virus, you guys actually get to be your own bird boys and organizers, and you get to do all of the work at the yeah, at the competition. It, it's rumor mill has it that, that we, we might have to do all the work. So we'll see. It, it'll be a, an interesting deal to to see when we get there how how this all shakes out with the virus. So. Well, we do wish you luck, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jeff. All right, stay tuned. AG's going to come back with us now, and we are going to talk about a training tip on getting your dog ready to run a hunt test after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We're back here with AG Shaw of Hardcore Retrievers. AG is going to give us a training tip, and I'm going to give you one after his, that you can use if you're getting your dog ready for a hunt test. AG, what would you suggest people do and how would you pull it off? You know, if you got some uh, friends and you're, you're all going out and training dogs, uh, one of the 
it's a simple and fun thing is, is everybody grabs a, a bumper or a dock and, and uh, stand in a, a big circle, you know, 40, 50 yards apart. And uh, you throw out a bird and all the dogs have to sit and honor each, other do each other's dog. And one call out a name of someone and, and their dog goes and retrieves the mark. And you do that and you work your way around the circle. And that dog gets a, a bunch of honoring and it's uh, a lot of fun. Now, what would you do if a dog broke? What would I do if a dog broke? I would, uh, you know, call it back, have it sit there. Um, if it if it continuously breaks, then I would uh, maybe put a leash on it and and only let it go at uh, whenever its name was called. So that would way, you use a collar, an electric collar during yeah, this drill? Yeah, I would. I would use a, as long as it's understood the how to get out of the pressure. If as long as you taught that ahead of time, you know, uh, teaching it sit by the collar, and then you can go in and use that at the same time. Uh, when you do this drill. And now you're going to do it with and without collars because at a test... Yeah, the dogs get uh, what we call collar-wise. So they uh, start to realize when they got the collar on and they become angels. And when they don't have the collar on, they can become the devil. And you cannot so, run with a collar on during a test. Yeah, no, no collars at any test. Now my, I guess my tip for everybody that is very simple and I've seen this at, at uh, competitions, and you'll agree with me. If you're going to run competitions, you're put in something called a holding blind. Real simple tip. Work with your dog in a holding blind so that the first time the dog is in one of these blinds, it is not at a competition. Everyone that has gone to these tests has seen dogs that literally tear down the holding blind because they want to see what is going on as they hear the dog uh, the other dog's running, they hear calling, they hear shooting, they hear people, and they will literally go berserk, which happened to me the first time I ran a hunt test, and the dog tore the blind down. Yep, exactly. The Especially in the uh, started and, and season world, those dogs don't get a lot of, get to be around those holding blinds a lot, so that they are, they're always trying to peek around, and they start hearing gunfire, and you got all those people there. It's an exciting time for the dogs, and, and they're feeding off of you, because you're probably nervous about the whole thing, too, so... Yeah, definitely uh, use holding blinds as much as you can. So that's it for our training tip for this episode. AG's going to stick around and he is going to tell us what he looks for in a puppy in traits and pedigree after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to Sporting Dog Adventures. Now we are going to talk to AG while we have him here about what he looks for when he's looking for a puppy to add to his uh, his, his kennel, as well as uh, pedigree, ability, and all of that good stuff. So AG, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, I, I try to look for um, a reputable breeder, um, maybe someone who's in the business of this, that what I'd be looking for. Um, I try to stay away from what, what I call the backyard breeding um you know i want something something with health clearances on it you know hips and, and all that good stuff and someone will stand behind those uh clearances if we, there's ever a, pro ever a problem um from a standpoint of uh titles I, I like titles because for the game i play with the hunt test and everything you know that's all i can look at for a puppy what it's parents, grandparents, everything is done. So I, I like, you know, field champions, hunting retriever champions, master hunters. Um, all those those titles are mean a little bit to me. It, it, it ups my, my odds of get, getting a good dog. 
Um, you know, when I go to look at the dog, I, I really rely more on the breeder at that point and ask him, you know, if I'm looking for an aggressive dog, you know, then I'll ask him, hey, who, who's the strongest dog in the litter? If I want more of a laid back dog, then I'll ask him, hey, who's the quiet puppy in the litter? Because um, they, they see the dog every day. You're, you know, I, I feel that you can't get a good good read on, on the puppies just by going in there and uh, looking at them and saying, okay, I, I saw this puppy run around for 15 minutes and that one was sleeping and that one... Well, he must be the laid-back one, when actually the one that was awake is actually the laid-back one. So uh, rely on the, the, the breeder and uh, make sure you got good health clearances and uh, good uh, breeding stock all the way back, you know, from parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I always I look for that as well, the pedigree, the health clearances. And then me, for one, I'm picking a particular puppy. I like the biggest ass in the litter. So pardon, pardon the language. It's my show though. I can say that. Yeah, exactly. So I look for the knob in the litter and I always like to have the one that is just completely out of control. And that is the one that I choose. Yeah. That, then that's the way to go for, I think for, you know, the, the competition world is, is get the most aggressive one there. So, um, if they're chewing on that chain link fence, that's my dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like doing at the Attica prison. I'm getting myself out of here. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, my last litter, I had someone come in and, and they were like, man, I really like that dog. It's really aggressive. And I'm like, okay, but the, the other one that's sleeping is, is actually the more aggressive one. And they didn't believe me, and they, they took that one home. It worked out fine for them, but it's just kind of, like I said, you got to rely on the breeder more than you can just going in and picking. I mean, even my last dog, I went and asked asked him, you know, hey, which one's aggressive? And, and he says, well, those two. And so, you know, I held those two, and and the one was kind of yawning, and the other one wasn't, so I, I took the one that wasn't yawning. So, and he's going to run the grand this year, so... We'll see how that all works out. So long story short, do your homework, ask the breeder, and find a good litter. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hopefully we can have you on sometime in the future. Do appreciate your time. Thank you, Jeff. I had a great time. Appreciate it. And thank you to everyone that listened. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun